Hey guys, DJ here. This is a disclaimer. Applied Materials is a 100% non-profit, fan-made project set within the Orpheus Protocol game system. The Orpheus Protocol is an actual play podcast and tabletop role-playing game system created by Rob Stith and published by Varkalak Press. If you'd like to know more, please check out the main podcast at www.orpheusprotocol.com and patreon.com slash orpheusprotocol if you'd like to show more support for the main podcast. Thank you for your time, and please enjoy the following episode. Exquisite flowers in the colorful spectrum of rainbow spirit, reflected in the stars of illumination, unfolding the petals of enlightenment. Tree of life in the cosmic worlds of seen and unseen reality, forever the inspired muse of creation, connect us to the forest of the living whole. Welcome to Thoughts of Ancient Gods, an Orpheus Protocol fan server production. Starring Ross as James Castillo, Pinky as Robbie, Seth as Aura Eldridge, and me, DJ, as your host for tonight. Thoughts of Ancient Gods contains violence, ancient civilizations, forgotten languages, and secrets best left untouched. Consider this your warning. Previously on Thoughts of Ancient Gods As the Orpheus soldiers and local military set up their defenses, the helicopter disgorges its cargo, several black-clad paramilitaries who immediately open fire on the group. A heated exchange takes place and the Orpheus team come out victorious but not without sacrifice. Most of their local guides and military escorts lay dead on the forest floor. Hearing more choppers approach their position, the Orpheus agents and other survivors make their way into the ruins in an attempt to escape their pursuers. So essentially, the marching order right now is like the locals are inside. They're sort of taking stock of one another, doing a head count. Soldiers are taking guard. Mm -hmm. The other members of Kingpin are now guns pointed towards the trail. Oro and Robbie have just approached the building. They're probably running up the stairs at this moment, while James is probably a good couple of paces behind uh, the both of you, running towards the... uh, Yes, yeah. Okay, and we've been informed that there are more helicopters on the way. Yes, you actually heard the uh, the choppers arriving. Oh, it's we faint, can hear them already. Oh my god. Yeah. Ah, okay, right. <clears throat> I'm not panicking. So, the scene is pretty much one of general chaos. As the three of you catch up to one another and enter the squad structure, you hear very rapid fire Portuguese between the four remaining members of the locals you can see that there are guides and soldiers left and for the most part the soldiers are conversing with the leader of uh, kingpin craig who is conversing with them in very fluent portuguese while the other guys are sort of off in a corner panicking talking amongst each other you can see that uh, holly the sniper of the team is training her scope on you suppose a gap in the foliage further down the path and she looks up at you robbie and says "Uh, i can see more enemies down the trail i can see them fast roping in we need to hurry and i would like the three of you to roll a a collaborative investigation check with cognition because you're not sure what is in the structure and you need to find some way in out away something with cognition you said oh my cognition's at a four okay Oro has like no mental strain. Like, no, like, like that's interesting. Uh, 
will bump that up one. I will take the plus two. <laughs> um, so my cognition is at four. Got plus two. That takes him to a six. I will chuck one in to take that up to a seven. So Robbie's leading. <laughs> okay. Yep, Robbie's uh, like you're, you obviously have the better investigation skill. Yeah, I put a lot into investigation. You know what? I'm going to dump the three strain I can in. Goodbye, strain pool. Um, and also get a seven. I suppose in terms of collaboration, Oro is a bit shaken from the sudden gunfire explosions, death and destruction. Oh, that's actually a four. That's actually a four because my senses partial transformation is active. Yeah, but I'm probably the smell of blood is definitely distracting my wolf nose. Right. So the three of you get to work looking for a way out. But other than the one door that you find, you don't see any other external entrances. Uh, No other windows in the walls, no broken down parts of the structure. But Oro, as you sweep one side of this rectangular structure, like the long side, you feel a little breeze sort of blow against like your legs as you're walking along a certain part of the floor. And that piques your interest. When you look at the section of floor, it looks perfectly or almost perfectly normal. The floor here is set in stone and are reinforced with, you suppose, clay, which is why it looks so dirty. But the stones, for the most part, are of varying sizes. It's kind of like a cobblestone road. But this section of floor that you seem to be standing on, the seams between the stones appear to be blank, or at the very least, not as reinforced as the rest of the floor. And that's where you can feel this cool, gentle breeze tickling your toes. Uh, Oro would probably jump a little bit on all fours because he's in partial transformation mode and start to sniff the ground a little bit and start to... And then he'd the grunting and whatnot, one of the grunts would eventually like echo out to James and Robbie, like, come over here is what the grunt's kind of hinting towards. I found something. Mm. Okay, yeah. Robbie's going to go over and have a look. As um, will I. We'll discuss this later. The two of you head over there and you feel the same sort of gentle breeze. And you also notice as like Oro points out the little differences with a claw, little differences in the floor where you were standing and where these stones currently are. This is strange. Uh, You want me to try to move something or what do you want to make sure it doesn't try to explode me or something? Uh, I have no way of checking. I'm happy to just try and move it. We are in a rush. Yeah. However, this building does look like it will fall over if someone sneezes. So maybe we should be a bit careful. Could, is, does anyone know how to check for that kind of stuff? I I don't know how. I mean, I could just I could just have a look around. I just I don't know what I'm looking for, but I could have a look anyway. I I don't know a lot about load bearing structures. I suppose the simplest option would be a might check from either Oro or all of you to attempt to like either move or destroy this strange section of floor. I can try to assist. My might is not great, though. I have a decent vitality, but for some reason, I didn't put points in might. Um, <laughs> I was like, athletics! See, this is what I know. Um, okay, so... Yeah, I totally can do so. Should I assist? Sure. I do I do have a bonus on this from one of my partial changes. I gotta just double-check where it is. 
I would say at this point that as the three of you are deliberating over what or what to do, Craig has finished his conversation with the other local soldiers, kind of jogs on over to the three of you and goes, hey, what's the, what's the holdup? What's going on? No real holdup. We just need to, we think we need to go this way and Robbie points down. We're just figuring out how to do that in a safe way. Yes, we can. F- we can feel a breeze. Come, come, come here and just feel it. He goes closer to you, Robbie. Kind of kneels and places a hand over one of the seams that you direct him to put his hand over. Feels the breeze. There's airflow. Huh. There's airflow. It, it's got to be that way. Yeah. So you're thinking this might be like a trap door or something, or like a tunnel. And he kind of stands and whistles for Anthony to come over. Craig switches spots with Anthony, taking point on one of the sides of the door pointing his rifle down towards the trail as uh, this other soldier comes over and he goes all right uh i'm experiencing demolitions do you need me do you need my help oh and uh perfect all right do you um what's a roll for that's an eight. i got an okay. eight all right so as anthony approaches y'all and introduces himself again what he sees is oro digging the points of his fingers or claws into one of these gaps in between the stones and just lifting with all his might. <laughs> the uh, the strain does pop a seam or two on the sleeves of his shirt, maybe even a button. And there is a loud groaning noise as you feel the ground rumbling underneath your feet from the motions of these stones as Oro lifts up this trapdoor but it's very slow it looks like this trapdoor has been opened in a long time so even though the seams in the stones are clear the hinges are old and you assume sort of blocked yeah so like anthony sees this takes a uh, takes a hold of one corner and the rest of you sort of chip in with oro bit by bit and together the four of you push open this trap door it is a big stone door hinged on one side that opens up and outwards and as it slams down into the stone floor there's a loud thump and a big old cloud of dust anthony coughs immediately uh oro the smell that fills your nose is now not blood but old musty air the sort of air that you smell like a library except where there instead of books that you smell it's dirt and old stone and ever so slightly the faint smell of death and decay but it's so faint as to be like almost non-existent at this point where you're standing oro gets a wry smile on his face this is the smell that he enjoys the most because this is where you find the cool things that are forgotten can i just kind of look sideways at them and go there there i ask how close the others have come or do I not want to know? Craig uh, glances at you and goes, too close, and he starts opening fire. Okay, shall we go? Does this look like it is just a, is, is it just like a, a hole descending down, or is it like a tunnel? It's a tunnel. It's angled so that the slope in which the tunnel descends is quite steep, and you can see that within the floor, there are steps shorn into the rock. But there are no torches at least as far as you can see. I've got torch in my bag. I've got a flashlight. I get my flashlight out and I am half uh, walking, half sliding because it's a very narrow passage down these steps. So 
what happens here is that this tunnel is wide enough for two people side by side or one werewolf. Do you want me in the front or the back? I'm already gone. Like, I think I'm taking point. Okay, I'll follow after James then. <laughs> yep, so James, you go down first. Oro goes right after you. Robbie, as you go down, Anthony follows you. And you can hear the footsteps behind you of the other soldiers. There is very frantic Portuguese. And if you spare a glance behind you, you can see that uh, one of the guides and another one of the soldiers is also following you down these stairs. Followed very closely by Holly, the sniper. The other locals, Bob, and then Craig. And then as Craig sort of stamps down these stairs, he turns on a flashlight on his shoulder. You can see that in his right hand, he's holding a small PDA-shaped device that he has sort of like a death grip on. And the moment that he is well and clear of the entrance to this tunnel, probably about like 30 seconds to a minute down these stairs, he shouts down the tunnel, fire in the hole! And clacks the clacker, detonating a set of explosives above the entire group of you. The ground shakes as the entrance behind you is immediately filled with rubble. And a large cloud of smoke just rockets down the tunnel. I hear that and I die a bit inside knowing that probably the entire above ground structure is now just a pile of rocks. Well, I hope we can get out the other end. Anthony, who is beside you, goes, Yeah, I hope so too. But only one way to find out, right? You need to keep going. True. Yep. Let's keep going. With the addition of the flashlights of the rest of the team, you make short work of seeing in the dark here. The tunnel walls are hard-packed dirt and clay with small little sconces inside the walls at set intervals for what you seem to be torches to be stuck inside like the dirt. Does it look like there's any markings or writing on the wall or is it just the plain? Yeah, right now, okay. no, no, it's very plain. Uh, these sconces are, most, are mostly empty. Every now and then you find a little scrap of either like oil-soaked fabric or a piece of a torch handle but that is mostly unusable but of course a lot of you have flashlights and it doesn't look like anyone's been down here yeah it doesn't look like anyone's been down here ages but all of you have flashlights sally glows and it's about give or take a two to three minutes before you eventually reach bottom and the tunnel opens up into a cavern this cavern is well, for lack of a better word, it is a treasure trove of information. Where James died a little bit inside as the he knew he knows that the structure above them is now completely rubble, you probably feel a spark of hope and inspiration and just plain curious joy as you ins uh, take a cursory glance around this chamber. So this chamber is roughly the size of like an average size Starbucks. It's not too terribly big, but it's big enough to hold some several bits of stone, uh, stone-carved furniture, another altar, and another set of stairs down into the bowels of this place. Uh, the, t uh, the stairs that go down are at a much shallower angle. It's not like you're, if you take one small step, you're just going to like tumble down the stairs and break every single bone in your body. No, this is very shallow steps, almost like a ramp down further into the earth. The walls down here are inset with calculated carved stonework that makes this place kind of look like a sort of temple or an inner chamber of a church or something. And each of these stones has intricately carved hieroglyphics and pictographs 
in the same language that you studied when you were in Rio de Janeiro preparing for this expedition. In fact, the walls are just covered oh. with these pictographs. I'm going to say that how many members of uh, Team Kingpin have uh, all of them? All of them. I'm going to say to them, you have uh, video recording equipment as part of your gear to uh, send, at least record, if not send directly to Orpheus. Craig nods to your question, looks back at his team, and you see the black man, Bob, kind of pat uh, his hips and then unsling his pack from his back, set it down on the floor, and then he pulls out a small handheld video camera and slings his pack back on his back. Uh, I'm going to choose a uh, side of this room and I'm going to direct Bob to it. And I need you to start here and quickly, but not too quickly. Yeah, your hands don't shake, right? Go over every inch of the walls and then the altar and then any statuary you can see. I need this. Uh, as per your instructions, Bob starts at a corner of the chamber and makes a slow, very deliberate circuit around the room, video videotaping anything he can find. As he's doing this, you see Craig pull a slim black cell phone from his pocket, turns on the screen, taps at it, kind of holds it up like he's searching for reception, swears under his breath, and then slips it back into his pocket. And uh, turns to you, James, and goes, well, shit. Whatever we find down here, we might not be able to broadcast it back to Orpheus. I've got no reception down here. It doesn't matter as long as the recording survives. Got it. Well, the uh, the mess that I made upstairs might delay them for a couple minutes, maybe half an hour to an hour if we're lucky. But uh, we need to keep moving. Then the only way to go is down. Once once all this all this evidence here is recorded, we're going to take that staircase. Me and Holly will take point. And he turns to Bob and Anthony. You two, you're gonna bring up the rear. You and you two and the other locals. And uh, then he turns to address the three of you. Uh, as for you three, you'll be in the middle. Anything happens, just stay behind me. Robbie does a salute. Bob, make sure you get that altar from every angle. James, do, do you want to quickly check anything in here before we move on? There's too much and we don't have time. Um, I'm going, although I'm going to, uh, even if only briefly, look at the uh, ideograms on the walls to see if with what little study I've done on the way here, if I can understand any of it. All right, make a languages check. I can barely read this. It looks so sim looks so similar, yet very different to the other Mesoamerican languages that I, I wouldn't know if it refers to itself at any point yet. It's going to take a while to get through. That's why they're recording literally everything. Um, I'm going to invoke my motivation, preserve the past, preserve the present. That's a 10 total. Which part of the room are you, in, uh, are you inspecting? The altar or the walls? If there's time enough, first the altar, then the walls. It depends on, like, once Bob is done solely recording everything, we're out. So if I only have time to look at the altar closely, that's it. The walls can be looked at later. So as you inspect this altar, you you figure that the pictographs depicted on this altar correspond to something similar to like a Judeo-Christian jubilation mm. or a hymn of praise, if you will. Essentially, the writing on this altar is celebrating life, death, and a return to Mother Earth. 
and whatever sacrifices were made on top of this altar, you gather that they were a sacrifice to no specific deity, but the actual like dirt and the earth beneath your feet in some sort of concerted religious effort to either preserve the world as it is or to keep the earth turning and surviving so humanity continues to survive. Or at the very least, that's their civilization continues to survive. Moving on to the walls, you hazard a guess that the pictographs will depict something similar and you do in fact see and read similar prayers, psalms, songs even that are just covering the walls from floor to ceiling, mostly celebrating life, nature, the earth, animals, plants, flowers, fruits, everything that is born of mother nature. While James is doing that, can Robbie be looking for signs of life like plants or something? You can make a, I suppose it would be like a knowledge botany if you have it. Ooh, two pluses and a blank. Did you say with cognition? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'll 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 chuck one strain into that as well, so to take that up to a seven. So as James is busy inspecting this room, reading the pictographs, occasionally scribbling things into his journal or a notepad, you are looking at the plants growing between these stones or more accurately, the moss that covers some of these stones. It corresponds to everything you've read about cave flora and all the uh, different species of moss and various assortments of fungi, some uh, very resilient species of grass. It all lines up with stuff that you've uh, read about and researched in your time studying plant life. It's all very normal. Uh, So me and Sally are going to take some samples. Yep. Sally helps you dig some moss samples out from like in between the stones and you catch them. She can use her little claws to get into things yeah and then you catch all of the samples that she digs out into little glass bottles with a little cork in them and you store them in your pack lovely thank you very much i will do a little fist bump or like a knuckle fist bump with sally sally does that back yeah all right it is at this point you hear the muted thump of an explosion above you as dirt rains ever so slightly from the ceiling. Craig looks up at the ceiling, looks at the tunnel you came in from, looks at James and Robbie and goes, are you all quite done here? Uh, we need to get moving. Yeah, if, if anyone's paying attention, um, Robbie sort of momentarily looks like they're going to be sick and then just pulls himself together again. So like, right, yeah, um, let's get out of here. And Craig goes, all right, Anthony, on me. And the two of them take a few steps down this next tunnel, guns pointed and flashlights pointed forward, and then they wait for you to sort of form up behind them. Around at this point, uh, Bob clicks the the little LCD screen of the camera closed, turns it off, taps uh, James on the shoulder, and goes, Hey man, I think you uh, if you want to hold on to this, you can. And he uh, hands you the camera. I'm going to take it. Uh, one of the local yokels goes uh, ahead and is promptly stopped by Craig sort of jamming his arm on this guy's chest. And he, whatever complaints that this man have are quickly cut off with a burst of Portuguese, you assume, either an order or, some, or soaring at him or something. And when the three of you form up, your little posse groups up and make your way down this tunnel. So the things that you notice as you go deeper and deeper is that the air starts getting damp and muggy and moist, which is honestly to be expected if you're going to someplace underground in a tropical jungle, it's going to get humid, but it's also getting cooler. Of course, the further you are away from the surface, the cooler the air gets. 
water starts dripping from the ceiling, you assume from some some measure of rainfall a few days ago that is only now seeping into this layer of the earth. And the journey continues, and I would like the three of you to roll an awareness with perception for me, please. It's a three. I, I might put some strain in. <laughs> I got a five. I got a four. Uh, I'm going to dump two to take that up to a five. All right. Oro, as you are lumbering your way down the staircase, the local yokel that's in front of you is very clearly panicked. You can smell the, the scent of his fear in the air. It's very, very prominent, especially from how close he is to you. Which uh. is also around about the time that all three of you hear the sound of a click as someone's uh. foot steps on something. Right, nobody move. Every single person there stops. And I would like Oro to make me a dodge check with your evade. Oh, God. Whether it's dexterity. Oh, I'm going to take my plus one in lieu of rolling because I got a rank four in dodge to get me to a four. And then I'm going to pump three strand in there to get it to a seven. All right. James and Robbie, the scene in front of you unfolds in a split second. The moment you hear the click, uh, Robbie, you yell for everyone to stop. Everybody stops. And then the faint sound of stone on stone moving down the tunnel, starting from somewhere underneath your feet, and it's sort of like rumbling its way down. And the moment that this happens, spears protrude from the floor. Each step. Oro, you are deft enough to avoid the set of three spears that just puncture their way from the whole, the uh, moss-covered holes in the ground, or in the steps, sorry, as they just they just go shing up in front of you. And because of your increased size and bulk, you sort of barely manage to wriggle your way backwards away from these spikes. The other three men in front of you, not so lucky. However, even though they got caught in the midst of this spiky death trap, the local is, well, lucky and, I suppose, fast enough that the only thing that is heard on him is a gash in his left calf as he hears the sound of like the spears jutting out from the floor and reflexively dives off to the side. He's not fast enough to avoid a spear sort of nicking him on the leg, creating that big gash on his left leg, but he is otherwise unharmed. Craig, likewise, is also lucky enough to barrel roll out of the way, although he does sustain a glancing blow to his right shoulder as he dives away to the side of the chamber. Anthony, however, he is the least lucky because he is essentially was standing on top of one of these spear holes before he could react. The moment he dives out of the way, the spear punctures his leg, left leg, and just drives straight through the meat and bone. He collapses to the floor with a scream of agony you, you can see him holding on to the his knee and the upper part of his left leg this long thin spear jutting from it and the moment this tableau plays out you can see that these spears are actually uh, emerging from the floor instead of a sequential order and you figure that whatever trap uh pressure plate that someone stood on is activated a sort of uh, like a roller that as it rolled down this tunnel is making these spikes go go up and up and up and up and up and up and up in a sort of like a it's like dominoes essentially and the moment that like the spikes sort of clear a certain distance they go back into the ground so the spikes are fixed to the fl- so the person that's been impaled are they st- oh yep uh, uh, i'd like the three of you now to make a horror check 
as uh, Anthony is essentially screaming his head off. Blood is gushing from this massive hole in his left lower leg. You can see that his teammate Craig is already there, uh, tying a tourniquet around the upper part of his leg to stop the blood flow. And Craig is also yelling for Holly to come down and treat the wound. Oh, the discipline of Ford. <laughs> I'm re-rolling that one. Uh, six. Yeah, I have a six too. I am going to use some of the temp strain to uh, get a. Yeah, we'll go with the. We'll go with the six. So all of you pass, and you stand to lose two because, well, this is. It's not like it's a monster, but you just watched a, an acquaintance of yours get absolutely impaled by a set of spi- a, by a single spear. Okay. Ooh, I've got one point in clarity. Yep. So you can spend one triple strength to just like, totally negate all the damage. Okay. Cool. I will do that then. So after that, then I look a bit slightly disturbed for a moment, and then after a pause, I will run over to them and ask them like how. How serious is it? Do they need some extra help in terms of medical help? As you run down the stairs and ask your question, Holly looks up at you and says, It's pretty bad. I can't save the bone. It's completely broken. Oh, God. But, um, and, and he's lost a lot of blood. Uh, do, do you have anything? I, I, so I'm, as, as, as they're saying this, I'm rummaging through it and I'm grabbing out a, a panacea and I'll, I'll offer it to them and say, uh, This will help. Please trust me, this will help you. Oh, son of a bitch. Thanks, Dice. I rolled a one. <laughs> so that's a uh, oh. Okay, so Anthony's getting three physical wound boxes sticked off. He's down to just at the edge of minor now. Uh, no, sorry, the edge of serious. Sorry. So you pass this small glass flask over to Anthony. He recognizes it for what it is, yanks off the cork and just downs it like a shot. And you can immediately start seeing his breath slow as the profuse bleeding from the uh, gaping hole in his leg slows almost to a trickle. And uh, Holly looks at you, looks at the glass, looks at the little glass bottle, looks back at you, kind of realizes what you just fed him and uh, nods to herself packs the wound as much as she can with bandages and gauze and then wraps the whole thing up in a very thick bandage and then takes off the uh, tourniquet. I will nod at the wounded person, take back the empty bottle, shove that back in my bag and just go... Anthony, he looks up at you and goes, I don't think I can move. And he looks over at Craig and goes, but you've got to continue the mission, man. I can stay here, try and buy you some time, but uh, I don't know how long I'll... I don't know how much time I can buy you. You need to keep going without me. Can, do you think you can hold the fort? Yeah, yeah, I can. Thank you. <laughs> and he uh, pulls the uh, backpack from his back, opens it, and shows you, Robbie, the uh, several more bricks of C4. Okay. And goes, yeah, definitely. Craig nods and turns to one of the local uh, soldiers, talks to him briefly in Portuguese. And then turns to the three of you and says, all right, looks like I'm going to have to leave Anthony behind. This man here, and he pats the local soldier on his shoulder. He's going to stay behind as well to help Anthony set up the explosives. He's going to buy us as much time as he can. We need to keep going. We can't think about losses right now. We'll mourn the dead when we get the opportunity. For now, we need to run. Let's go. I'm going to pat Anthony on the shoulder and say, you're a good one, and then start moving. 
as the rest of the soldiers slowly file by, Anthony looks up at, I suppose, James, who is the last to leave, and goes, Don't let my sacrifice be in vain, all right? Find whatever the hell's down there. Take it back to Orpheus. If you can't carry it, get him the fuck here. We will. And then I turn and leave. Anthony pats uh, you on, I suppose, the side, since he can't actually stand, and then sets about instructing this local soldier in Portuguese how to wire explosives and how to, and where to put them. And your their conversation fades into the distance as you continue down this tunnel. It takes you a few more minutes to traverse the length of this staircase, but it eventually also levels out. You enter a vast cavern. At this point, you are deep enough in the earth that you sort of feel like to return to the surface just by digging upwards, you would have to be carving through probably at least a mile of dirt, if not a little bit more. And what you see in this cavern defies all logical explanation. So this cavern appears to have been dug both by hand and by nature over the course of, you presume, years. And years of work. The walls are not decorated with stone, not like the previous one, but they have been shorn out of the loose dirt and reinforced with clay and other stones that appear to be undecorated. What stands in the center of this massive cavern is another temple. Smaller in scale, but it appears to be the same sort of square base pyramidal structure that uh, reminds you of the sacrificial temples uh, built by the Aztecs and by the Inca civilizations. It is about three stories tall, comprising six layers of stones with a stone staircase shorn into the front that you can see. And you, of course, reasonably assume that there is another one in the back. And what is most distinct about this structure as you approach are the rows and rows and rows of skulls that adorn the outside of this pyramid. Every single layer of stone is covered with human skulls. In fact, not just human. Some look like animal skulls, human skulls, monkeys, other sort of nature that they'll find you find in the jungles here. And some of these skulls don't even look human or mammalian in nature. In fact, especially for you, Robbie, you don't need to roll anything, but they defy any sort of logical, biological explanation. These skulls look like nothing you've ever seen before. Uh, what the fuck is this? Uh, camera? Now? Please? I already was uh, going to be getting the camera out to be in recording, so I sat it and handed it off to Robbie. Then Robbie will take it and we'll start get some close-ups of these weird unusual they're not going to touch anything not yet anyway so upon closer inspection these skulls appear to be longer in the upper portion of the skull like if any of you have seen like the alien movies it kind of looks like a xenomorph sort of skull structure is it's kind of oblong is this like the kind of where they used to actually mold people's heads by squishing them in between boards when they were growing you would have to definitely take one of these skulls home for closer analysis a cursor inspection lends credence to that theory. You can see very faint hairline fractures that have healed and then broken and then rehealed and then broken again and then rehealed. Okay, I'm going to turn around and, and say, anyone mind if I grab one of these to take back? 
Uh, I was going to. Uh, this is this is. All right. Out. Let's take let's take one each then. I'll pick one that looks interesting. The most striking part of this skull that differentiates it from the other humanoid skulls that you've seen around this temple are the fact that the ocular sockets don't just appear to be a single pair. They appear to be three of them. This has been Thoughts of Ancient Gods and Orpheus Protocol fan server production. Thank you to Ross for playing James, Pinky for playing Robbie, and Seth for playing Oro. And I will see you in the next episode. Good night. Next time on Thoughts of Ancient Gods. Caught like rats at the end of a rapidly flooding tunnel, the Orpheus cell make their last stand atop the pyramid. But with James's discovery of an ancient ritual and the means to carry it out, perhaps not all is lost.